Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Nice. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I am your host, Gene Turnbow. I am your other host, Susan Fox. And with us today is first-time science fiction author Brian Fitzpatrick, the author of MechCraft. Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, Gene and Susan. Very nice to meet you, and I'm very happy to be here. This is um, this is quite a thing for a first time for a first time book. This is pretty remarkable. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's um, it, it's got it. To be honest, it has the signs of being a first time book. But what we the scenario takes a lot of explaining, and 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 the kids. It's always about a kid. This is this is the uh, logline is Harry Potter. No, the Matrix meets Harry Potter. So, uh, hello. <laughs> yep. Adjusting my mic while I'm talking. Thank you. Oh, so much. okay. Um. Anyway, the Matrix meets Harry Potter. There's a kid who, an ordinary kid who finds himself in an extraordinary situation, and he's just thrown in the deep end from page one. No mucking about there. Yeah, I wanted to kind of get things rolling. Well, and and it certainly works. It's it's what they teach you in film school. Shoot the sheriff in the first reel. There you go. And ironically, you should mention film school. It's actually Metcraft began as a screenplay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> much 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 longer ago than a year or two, and it might not have been as viable as it is now, as as far as special effects are concerned. Yeah, this has uh, been a five year journey, really. Um, about five years ago, I read an article. Uh, it was a medical uh, industry article about nanotechnology and like sort of nanobots being injected into humans mm-hmm. that were smart enough to uh, destroy cancerous or you know t- tumorous cells and leave the good ones alone. And my imagination just sort of uh, ran wild from there. Like, well, what if this and what if that? And that's sort of how the nanotechnology of the story uh, Metcraft came out. It reminds me a lot of the uh, the little nanobots from Big Hero Six. Oh, believe me, when I watched that movie, I was like, "No," because <laughs> it, it was similar enough, and thankfully, mine is uh, different enough uh, and more Terminator Two liquid metal mm-hmm. versus what they had in Big Hero Six. Yeah, smart metal. Yeah, That's- in fact, speaking of how things kind of come full circle, I read an article last month in the Science News Reporter that scientists have actually created liquid smart metal. Is it's actually on their website right? right now. 
Good heavens. I'm a little scared now. What if it's smarter than us? Here's the, the headline says, scientists have created programmable shape-shifting liquid metal. And I was like, whoa, life imitating art. Yeah, but does it, uh, uh, does it go from liquid to solid form and back, or does it always a, a liquid? Or Does it look like it Robert work? Patrick? What? <laughs> it is bottled up. No, just kidding. Um, it, it looks like it stays liquid, so it never quite solidifies, but it can do things that they program it to do. It's pretty incredible. Hmm. It's on uh, sciencenewsreporter.com. But it's a crazy article. I will have to check that out. I was floored. So, um, so how much trouble are we in if it's for if if uh, Metcraft is for real? Well, if uh, if that was for real and it's controlled by the host, which is the kids, the teenagers, we're all good. Oh, okay, good. Oh, come on! They would find they would use it to pick up girls. Oh, you know it. <laughs> but he does pick up a girl. Well, he tries. Yeah, I. Just, yeah. you know, some of the things you can do is, is, are, with uh, Metcraft are pretty surprising. I'm, uh, well, it was pretty surprising to the Metcrafters, the, the already existing practitioners, uh, what this kid could do, and that's, that's why he was important. And that's where, that's, that's the part of the book I haven't gotten to yet. I've gotten all the way up to um, that, that pivotal moment. At the train, that scene at the train. Okay, you... so, so um, Brian, tell us about what the the basic abilities are of these people. Uh, so basically, uh, the, it, was a, it was a science experiment, you could say, that they years ago did on humans where they had injected them with this uh, nanotechnology that allows them to uh, summon up the na- millions of nano robots, for lack of a better word, through their flesh and mentally command it to shape virtually anything that their skill can handle anything from a tool to a weapon and some of the better ones can make machinery um you know guns tools anything they need and it's just all in the skill of the met crafter himself or herself and so what makes jake our main character protagonist different is that he is the first ever born with the now technology already fused in his dna because both his parents uh were leads on the original experiment so he gets born with it. He's the first ever that the nanotechnology activated in his DNA. And so now everybody's freaking out because they don't know what this kid can do. Until this time, all the rules have been established. We know Metcrafters can do this, this, and this. But now here comes this wild card. And so they don't have no, they have no idea what can happen with this kid. And they're right to be afraid and right to want him. Well, what the potential was that nothing could happen up, up until he was... In his teens, you know, he was a regular kid. This wasn't happening. Right. And it's, it's a hormonal uh, mutation. Uh, when, when adolescents reach a certain age, a certain uh, level of hormone activity, the nanotechs uh, activate. And so you never know. You can't predict. Any of the people can't predict how it's going to happen or if it will happen at all until their child becomes a teenager. Yeah. For all we know, he, all he would get is hair and pimples. Exactly. And I'm <laughs> sure he has those too. Well, it's... And the the whole process of conversion that's that's what it's called when when the powers manifest for the first time. Uh, wow, yes. that's scary stuff. Yeah, that was a pretty pretty hectic scene, and uh, enough to put the fear of God in Jake uh, for never wanting to deal with Metcraft again. Well, most of us, when adolescent hits, somebody isn't trying to kill us. <laughs> true, <laughs> it's true. Enter Sasha. Most of the time. Enter yeah, her Sasha. faction. Can you hear me? 
Enter Sasha. She is quite a villain. She is a villain for the books. Uh, thanks. I, she's secretly my favorite character. Mm-hmm. She based on anyone real? She no, thank goodness. Oh, okay. <laughs> Cruella thank Deville. Cru- <laughs> yeah, Cruella Deville. Cruella Deville. Except, except with a, a, a masochistic streak. Yeah, Sages. she does not like herself. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm. I'm yeah, on page ninety-two. I can't be now. reading the book while I'm interviewing. <laughs> no, I'm. Uh, I'm just. It. The book just sort of sucks you along. I mean, once once you pick it up, it's and things start moving. It's very hard to put down, and uh, I have to read a ton of stuff, as uh, you know, in my role as station manager. And um, uh, I, it's rare. Oh, my rare sweet summer I, child. Who uh, reads the books around here? <laughs> oh, I know. Well, <laughs> Susan, Susan reads, she has to read them for the most part because she reads at roughly twice my I'm an, speed. I'm a natural speed reader and that's just the Oh, you're lucky. Yeah. I, we can set her down with a 600 page book and she'll have it done in three hours. Oh, that's cr- oh, I'm so jealous. I'll skim it in three hours. I'm not going to have done the the <laughs> three, in three and a half tops. She's being modest. She's being modest. <laughs> you know what it's like to have you know be looking forward to a book for a year, two years, five years, and have to pace myself so I don't gulp it down all at once. It's murder. <laughs> it's it's almost like when you binge watch a whole season of something on Netflix and you got to wait a whole year for the for it to reboot. <sighs> You oh, know yeah. my pain. You know my pain. Yes. So are there going to be sequels to this? Because it's oh, yes. the cries. There, there, there's, well, here's what I've made, laid out for the universe of Metcraft. Um, book one is Metcraft. Mm-hmm. Book two is Metcraft Harbinger. Mm. Book three is Metcraft Cataclysm. And that sort of wraps everything up. Um, of course, my goal is to have uh, films made of these three uh, three stories. But along the lines, along those lines I also have... Um, in my universe Bible written up a television series that takes place after the last book. Mm-hmm. Um, also have a line of, if I have my way, a line of action figures, <laughs> a, a trading card game, uh, mobile apps, uh, full video games on consoles and PCs. Uh, I've got the whole thing just in my head. I even have an idea for a prequel trilogy involving Jake's parents and the origins of all the Metcraft. Well, you, when you He's have thought this through, when you have a universe as well thought out as this one, um, where there's this unique wild card uh, situation, like the the nanobots, the mechs, if you will, uh, it it opens up a world of possibility. You could you can literally rewrite every scrap of history from there, from that point on, and it just it opens it up. You, the the big value here is the universe you've created, and you can just create more and more characters to play in this universe. And, and each book does get progressively larger in scope and story. Like the one I'm writing now, the sequel, um, is probably going to be at least two or three times larger and longer than this first book. There's just a lot to tell. Well, it worked worked for Harry Potter. How long has the book been out? Uh, ten weeks. Ten weeks, and it's already got thirty plus. Yeah, thirty nine. Uh, we're at thirty nine reviews. Thirty nine positive st- review, five star reviews on Amazon. Yeah, that's. And no one was touchy enough fortunate. to put in any one star reviews, which is nice. That's that's pretty crazy. That's really unusual. 
yeah, I don't know how that happened. I, I mean, of course, on my social media outlets, I'm like, hey, if you, you know, read the, you know, once you read the book, if you like it or if you don't like it, give it a review. Um, and people have responded yeah, pretty but well. All authors do that. <laughs> yeah, true. You, you, however, have, seems to seem to have hit the jackpot on that in that regard. Uh, it's yeah, th- we don't do a lot of um, first time authors here unless we really, really like the book, and we did. Oh, I really appreciate that. And I still remember uh, being at WonderCon a year ago mm-hmm. and and talking with Gene after that one awesome panel and discussing how Metcraft was kind of getting there but not quite there. I know he, he looked at it, he said, and uh, this is really advanced from the earlier draft. Uh, oh, big time. Yeah. Oh, it, a huge difference. I mean, the first, but, the first one I wouldn't – it was not really in condition to – Really publish, publish. But he knew that. Yeah, but yeah. he knew. But that. you knew and that. He asked for help. You know. Yes. And and, and you gave me good advice. And boy, and did you ever take it. it! I mean, this this is just worlds away from what the original piece was. So tell us about the rewriting Thanks. process. Oh, my favorite part. Um, you know, getting the vomit draft done is. Well, you know, well, 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 what? <laughs> well, your first draft. Your first it's draft perfect. is always the vomit draft. You just you get it out. You don't care how it's structured. You just you get it out because if you you got to go from start to finish, and if you but if you keep going back, you're going to constantly end in a, in a vicious circle of not getting anywhere. So yeah. it's like you write chapter one, and you say, "Oh, I got to better go back and fix that." No, you got to push through all the way to the end, and then only then can you start the rewrites. That's an awesome term. I love that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. The vomit, the, the vomit. Have draft. To. That is the that is the first. You're the first author that I've ever heard actually use that term for it. It's better. Than oh, the, really? Better than yeah. the diarrhea. Of, oh, we, <laughs> the yeah. diarrhea I, draft. I don't want to. I don't want to go that far. Oh, <laughs> no, you, so, have, yeah, you have when, to write in brown ink. Well, you have to right? digest it <laughs> thoroughly, and whatever comes out comes out. I guess. See, we went right up to the cliff, and you just pushed us right over. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I say these things so the nice people don't have to. <laughs> oh man! So yeah, so uh, by the time I got it to your hands last year, Gene, it had been through about four or five rewrites. Mm-hmm. Each one getting progressively smaller. You know, the first rewrites are just you're, you're taking out and adding in huge chunks of of information and dialogue and whatever. Um, by the time I got it to you, yeah, it's about four or five rewrites in. After you gave it back to me, and I still I knew I had more to do. I ended up adding another couple of chapters and uh, yeah, which it, changing. Yeah, which it needed. Yeah, a little fleshed out some of the characters better. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the uh, I believe the uh, one of the parts where Sasha has to say goodbye to one of her most faithful, that was added in on one of the last things I added in. That, but I thought it, that chapter, that chapter really... He, uh, really drove home just how messed up Sasha is as a villain, and she uh, she absolutely believes she's the hero. She absolutely yes. believes she's doing the right thing, and she's yeah, and just this, yeah. In this story, she's the good guy, right. in her mind, and she's just absolutely bonkers and just crazy as a loon and dangerous as hell. Because that could, she's that also could be an inter- that could be an interesting book or or novella or a shorter work later on is. The story from her POV. Oh, totally. A good novella on that would be great because yeah, I give I give the audience some of her POV, but 
uh, you know, a full in-depth look and how why she came to be that way it would be really fun. Her childhood with this this whole Metcraft thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, on the rewrites after after um, I had gotten gotten it back from Gene and a few other beta readers, I did the smart thing and hired a professional editor. <laughs> Ooh, and good idea. Best money I have ever spent in my life. She got me right away she connected with the material and with what my vision was and she elevated my words without squashing my voice at all she just she says well you could say this this way or you could write this this way or or not and so mm-hmm. she gave me a lot of choices and she was amazing so because of her this book I, I give her a lot of credit for making this book what it is that's really the story that I hear from a lot of authors uh, you don't you don't write it Right in a vacuum. It's no, well, unless Those you're Those who do are, are what we call fan writers because they're not professionals. They just wanted a vacuum chamber for people to, or an echo chamber. An echo rather, chamber, yeah. Yeah. For people yeah. to say she's wonderful. And it doesn't work that way. Not, that's very seldom. Anyway. That's actually right. the problem I have. You know, when I, when I write stuff, I just, I, I go through several drafts, but I go through them in isolation. And then I show them to people, and then and, and uh, I'll, I'll get feedback based on that, and f- discover that I've been thundering along in exactly the opposite direction of the direction I should have been going. And it's it's crushingly disappointing when you get that to that level that far, and you're like, oh man, I got to go back and retell all this. <laughs> well, yep. or or discover that that so much of what I thought was wonderful was actually pointless. You know, and it might might have been a good scene, but it has no place in the structure of the story, and really contributes nothing except uh, except slowing down the story. Yes, and, and it just it has to go, and and you go, oh well, it was a nice writing exercise. <laughs> you know, and, and that's they call that uh, kill your darlings. Mm-hmm. It's the first day of screenwriting class. Yes, my teacher the. The the sainted Milton Gilman said, murder your darlings. And we said, yes. what do you mean? <laughs> exactly. That's how it feels. It feels so bad. But then you realize they are all right because your story is not being helped by those wonderful scenes you love, but just don't work. So the whole thing started out as an idea for a screenplay. Tell us about, yeah. uh, tell us about that genesis and how you came to bring it to... The table as a novel. That's an interesting story. I, I it began. I've been a screenwriter mostly. Um, began writing as a teenager in early twenties, novels and short stories, but sort of flipped to screenwriting late twenties. And I just love the format. I love the style of screenwriting and the structure and the and the whole thing. But uh, I wrote Medcraft and with with some advice from friends in in the industry, and I entered Medcraft uh, into Three different contests, and it placed in the quarterfinals on all three. So I thought, oh, I mean, I got something here. And those, the, because of that, I was able to get some meetings uh, with agents, managers, prodcos, and uh, even a couple studios. And I got the same answer every time. It was it was the weirdest thing. They say, the answer was, we really like this, or we love this, but you've got no existing fan base. We're not going to drop $100 million on on an unknown property. That's, I got this. That's weird. Because they do it all the time. Oh, because, oh, because they don't, they don't, 
it wasn't Hunger Games. It wasn't yeah. Harry Potter. It didn't have a huge following. Yeah, but the Matrix didn't have, came from nothing. True, but that was uh, what, like ninety eight, ninety nine. Mm. Nowadays, they're just like, eh. So, the advice of the same the same friends from the industry said, "Hey, convert it to a novel, publish it, work on building your own fan base, and those same studios will come to you to make the movie." That's so logical. I was like, well. And so, at first, I was reluctant. I was like, "Oh, I got to rewrite the whole thing all over again." <laughs> but I ended up growing to love the process because now, at last, I can get into the minds of my characters. I can play with the world more. I can. It was like a whole playground opened up. It's- Susan's uh, Susan's perspective, I think, is uh, is a particularly good one because she's been in the business so long and yeah. has worked with uh, so many different. Yeah, but I never got into production, so what do I know? No, that's true. But you know what you were saying. You know, it's it's uh, it's all about it's all about the perception of popularity. Mm, yeah, you know. And it's uh, it's it's a really strange thing that they would say that because thirty years ago nobody cared, social media wasn't a thing, uh, and uh, well, book sales certainly were. Yeah, book, yeah, per, yes. book sales perhaps. But, but but you know what? They picked up Potter, you know, halfway through the series, and they didn't know it was going to be a kids' show for the whole way. <laughs> I think right? that uh, uh, they made a very big mistake. I mean, with, at least with Tolkien, you knew how it ended. <laughs> True, absolutely. So it started out. But, it started out as a, a screenplay that uh, that ha- had been gaining some traction, and then yes, you ended it, up here. Well, but that sure gave him a, a very concise vision of what. The action was where we were, you know, the the whole story arc, all the little bits of it, and uh, how they all tied together. Yeah, I think it worked in in my favor on the conversion part because, as far as the action goes, I really had those set pieces, those sequences, pretty deep ingrained. I knew exactly what I wanted to say, and I, that helped. I think, um, but it was also very, it was also challenging too. I'd never gotten that far into a novel and converting existing screenplay characters into a novelized into, into fiction was was uh, harder than i thought it would be at first there are people who make a, a career of it though yeah and people who novelize you know motion pictures or, or television shows and there's awards for it going the other way from uh, m- uh book to movie like a scripter awards Yes, and uh, best adapted screenplay. They've got their own category of writing in the uh, Oscars for all of that. Exactly, but uh, it was very—it was a lot of fun. Actually, I really enjoyed the process, and finishing the book was kind of the easy part. It was the publishing marketing that ended up being the most work, but also some of the most enjoyable aspects. Now, you went with a an independent publisher, Quill. Uh, Actually, it's it's through Inkshares. Inkshares is a, a hybrid uh, publisher where they do – it's an interesting f- thing. They do a crowdfunding model, whereas you, the author, create your page, put your book up there, and you go out and hunt down uh, pre-orders for your book. You, you, know, you present it and say, how would you like to read this book? And it, it's no easy task convincing um, enough people. At the time, it was 250 people to pre-order your book um, – to qualify for the Inkshare's uh, publishing treatment. Hmm. And so you had you had to tell 250 people, uh, hey, you're not going to be able to read this for two years, but 
buy it now. And it, I somehow I pulled it off. I don't know how, but I, I, uh, relentless marketing, finding every avenue I could, uh, managed to get the 250 required. And InkShares takes that money and then they do the full, um, traditional publisher treatment on it. Hmm. That's, That's different. Wow. It, it, yeah. It's good if you're a sociable person, but a shy person who doesn't do any of that stuff is just left out of the process. Well, they go through, they find other ways, I guess. Yeah, it, it's true that the, you know, the, the sort of classic uh, introverted uh, antisocial writer, uh, this may not be for them, but they ended up, I, I know um, a lot of other writers on Inkshares who ended up kind of coming out of their shell and deciding they really wanted to pursue this. And they overcame, they managed to overcome any kind of uh, awkwardness and shyness, and they were successful. It was really nice to see. Good. Oh, you're an inspiration. Well, we became uh, kind of a tight knit group this uh, this first round of Ink Shares people. Uh, there's lots of lots of really good authors uh, under that umbrella, and I was very fortunate to meet them and become friends with them. Tell us about some of them. Well, the the biggest one is author named Tal Klein. His book, The Punch Escrow, just scored a seven figure deal with Lionsgate. Wow! wow. Awesome! Yeah, well, yeah, that's impressive, an and it's a really good book. It's a whole different kind of cool take on teleportation in a near future uh, society. Wow! Look for that. Yeah, punch the punch escrow, and it's already they're already filming it. It's it's amazing. They moved really fast on it. Now I see you have a um, uh, a recommendation from Tal Klein on the back of your book. It says here, Mechcraft is a fresh and inspired take on the mech sci-fi genre. Throw human evolution, genetic editing, the singularity, and nanotechnology into a supersonic blender. Add a bunch of gunpowder, strap in, and ignite. <laughs> well, good. Can yeah, you put in a word, word, uh, word to him f- about us? Because we'd like to read that and talk to him, too. Oh, absolutely. I'll mention it. I'll definitely uh, bring it up. This is fun. Okay. And he he's a really good guy. He's got a really good uh, style of talking and uh, rhythmic speech and is very knowledgeable about his product. In fact, his book started as a textbook, a huh. fictionalized textbook of teleportation, what it would look like. And then someone said, well, you should maybe convert that into a suspense thriller. And so he said, well, all right. And now it's now it's doing really well. I, I guess if he's got a seven-figure deal. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the first that's time a- in over a decade that has happened. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter was all over it and mm-hmm. some other media. It was pretty cool. Wow. I mean, that's that's the kind of thing that you just dream about as an author is one of your works just going nuts like that. Oh yeah, that's that's my end that's my end game. <laughs> it's a little hard to do a, a story about teleportation that had much more to say than uh, the stars my destination and uh looks like he's done it. Yeah, he ended up really making a pretty cool um sort of has a sort of espionage feel to it in some cases, in some ways. And, but there's this whole teleportation secret, um, at the heart of it. And the, the secret's big and it's awesome. Okay. Well, but that's someone else's story. Yes, she yes. said, trying <laughs> to steer the, the, the talk back to yours. Now there's, yes. it's the way you phrase things is very vivid. I just, I can't get past, uh, things coming out through the pores of your skin to, to form shapes. Doesn't that hurt? <laughs> you know, the first time, like, his, Jake's initial conversion, it hurts like hell. But after a while, 
he, you know, he gets used to it and, and is able to crank them out. No problem. But yeah, they come through for, for maybe aesthetic convenience. They just make it come out of the palms of their hands, but it really can come out of any part of their skin that they want to. Like that scene, uh, in the, the safe house paradise where that little 11 year old girl just whips the tar out of Jake. <laughs> And oh she, yeah, the Fight Club. And, yeah, she wins it by, uh, by manifesting out of the skin of her forehead because she's Jake's got her all bound up otherwise, and he left. He missed a spot. <laughs> he sure did. And it was his first. It was his first little tussle with the, with the thing. He was experimenting, and uh, yeah, like his like uh, his companions Trent and Bex. They told him everybody loses their first time, and he got his. But handed to him. Mm-hmm. Almost literally. Yeah, she and that character is a lot of fun. She will actually show up in the sequel as a more dominant character. Oh, fun! She's, yeah, she's she's hilarious. She's kind of a brat. Totally, she's like a little miniature Harley Quinn. Ah, uh, I'd yeah, be using except with superpowers. At, at her age, I'd be using that for cosplay. Your kitty, oh, totally. Kitty ears. <laughs> Whatever. You know, you might one. you might now see that show up in the sequel. <laughs> you just gave me an idea. Okay, good. Hmm. Okay. I, will, I am honored, sir. Excellent. Well, speaking of other peop- young people who are honored and talented, I see that uh, your this this rather nice uh, cover painting is by your son. Oh yes, my uh, my son is in college, and he's in a digital arts program. To be, his goal is to do animation for video games and movies. <laughs> and he, I, I gave him the idea. You know, here's what I want. Here's kind of what I want. And he just, boom, just cranked it out. And I'm so happy with that cover. Oh, well, he should be. I hope. I hope he gets extra credit for this because it got published. He did. He, he's, in, he's in the uh, front cover, uh, first page or so. It's a little credit to him. Yeah. A little nod. Um, he. Um, no, I meant school credit. Oh no! This is on his own. <laughs> I did all kinds Sadly, of no. I did all kinds of stupid things for st- school credit. That's right. That's two other I stories. Know. Yeah, it was a good cover. In fact, he's going to be doing art for me over the summer. Some art for my promotional marketing machine. <laughs> Most kids go out and flip burgers. He's he's going to be chained to his his drawing board. That's right. <laughs> so the two main characters, Jake and. That's that's an interesting dynamic right there. Well, I take it she's a little older and more experienced than him, but he's a young man with a crush and a crystal crystalline focus. <laughs> Big time, yeah. It's you know she he's fifteen, she's sixteen. Uh, Trent, the third companion, is eighteen. Um, but yeah, uh, Jake immediately is fascinated by Bex and admires her because she's experienced and skillful and kind of doing this sort of secret agent stuff already. And, and instead of just sort of brushing off this youngster, she is fascinated by him too, which well, I, I like that aspect. She's of. like she the just, chosen one, you know? <laughs> yeah. She didn't reject him out of hand. She's kind of like just taken a little bit of interest in him, not necessarily romantically yet, but uh, definitely thinks he is something pretty special. Well, I'm looking forward to finishing this sucker. (laughs) 
Yeah, I kept, I've, I've lost him for the night. I'm just calling out for pizza. <laughs> yeah, I just, I kept picking up the book in the middle of the interview, you know, like trying to sneak in an extra and page. And I'm trying to swat his hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's because, a, that's because a, it's that kind a of a book, you know. It's you once you start. It's it's I I admit that the 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 first 20 pages or so little difficult to chew through, you know? It's 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 hard to see exactly where the ignition is going to happen. But once it happens, everything sort of takes off and it's sort of a rocket ride from uh, from there to the end of the book. Yeah, but it, those those are important because that sets up the friend who turns out to be not such a good friend. Oh yeah, Scott. What, oh, a, what a wiener. <laughs> oh yeah, my he, god. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like him either. <laughs> Yeah. He's a little punk. He's a little punk. Punk is the word. The word is punk. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I know that, yeah, the 20 pages, I actually bounced around a couple different openings. Um, some I had opening on, uh, Jake right away at the school with the, with the incident. Um, but I ended up settling on Bex and Trent on their little side mission to go to the Roxy nightclub in Hollywood to get the, try and recruit these twins. Uh, as part, just sort of an introduction into what their powers can do, mm-hmm. and maybe who the, who the enemy players are. That first scene is kind of setting up a little bit of what's to come. Well, that was a really clever way of doing it, actually, because um, you know, I mean, it's it's it sets the scene and it paints a picture for you, and it's very exciting, and it is, and it's and you can sort of breeze through it and not worry about too much about. Uh, missing particular details because um it's sort of the hors d'oeuvre it's not well, the, but not then the you want to go back and say hey wait a minute i didn't we see them before and have to go back and look at that right and then you go back and look but uh you know it's it's nice it's 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 a a good introduction to the characters and how they interact and and how they get along and and uh uh, you have a sense that these people have a backstory and that there's some substance behind them. And that's that's a nice thing to see, especially in a first novel, which where you don't often get that. And I wanted to make um, Los Angeles and the surrounding areas kind of a character into itself. So I made, you know, everything really accurate. The, the you know, Sunset Boulevard, yes. uh, the Roxy is there and, um, you know, inside the Roxy is exactly how it is inside there. And I, even the band that's on stage, they're actually sort of family friends of ours. They're a real band. <laughs> and <laughs> I, ha- <laughs> I had them awesome. play my launch party. Nice. So I could say, hey, straight out of Long Beach and Chapter 1, here's the potential <laughs> lunatics. Yay. That's okay. awesome. I love that. And it, the launch party was amazing. I just I couldn't be more grateful. We expected... Maybe sixty people. We ended up getting one hundred and twenty-six people. Wow! Yeah, and we had my my friend's band play from chapter one. We had a taco bar. Another friend of mine surprised me with a a cake done as the cover of the book. It was gorgeous. (laughs) She kept telling me to cut. She kept telling me to cut into it, and I didn't want to because it was so beautiful. I didn't want to ever cut it. But we we served it up and it was delicious. They wow. can photocopy onto cake now. I mean, it's amazing. Oh, believe me, I was, I was it post a, those a, photos all over. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's awesome! Fact, some of the friends who were there started a hashtag for it called Mech Cake. 
<laughs> and so they put it all over Twitter for a while there. That's funny. That's why awesome. it was on, now I want to go out and get some silver dust and make mech cakes. Well, that's a great idea. Yeah, and I make two shapes wanna, on um, them. <laughs> the effects that you would need to do in to make a Metcraft movie, it's gonna it would be uh it would be very Houdini centric. There's software called Houdini that yes. handles particle flow and, and and fluid dynamics and those kind and explosions and fire and smoke and those kinds of effects. They're gonna have to read this book so they know exactly what you're what they're getting at here. Yeah, but I but it the stuff that's in your book is certainly doable now using current technology. This will be so far beyond you know, uh, Terminator Two, as Terminator Two was beyond anything before it. Yeah, I really think that the timing is good, uh, technology-wise, uh, to pull this off as right? easily as possible. Oh yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, I've I've um, spent several years in the CG industry, and uh, uh, the technology the technology to do something like this was available as of about. 15 years ago so we're, well, sort of but it's better now yeah it's better now you know this this the stuff that you can do on your desktop yeah but but now but you yeah. have to send to what it yes was. but you have to send it to singapore or hyderabad <laughs> yeah and when you said your son wanted to get into this my heart sank i'm going i hope you like vancouver you know <laughs> yeah he's or looking Korea. at uh i know really vancouver or who knows where else now yeah, he's he's going to be basically a migrant CG worker. <laughs> he'll, he'll get to travel the world, and he'll have, right. and he'll have to, because there's only I think thirty five hundred jobs in the whole industry. Well, it's still better than picking lettuce. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, and, and it's uh, and it's a great way to if if he's in his twenties or uh, 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 you know or, or or younger, it's a great way to spend the first part of your professional career. Because you have the energy to do it and the stamina. If I were to start it now, I don't think I could do it. And that's key. Stamina is is exactly what it needs. I mean, he's killing himself every day at doing these final projects and these massive. Uh, he has a has a has a sophomore thesis due, and he's been working on it for months, and he's spending all night at the lab, and it's just crazy. Yeah, been there, done that, pulled the yep. all nighters. I can't. <laughs> I couldn't see doing it much later in life, though. Yeah, so that's that's that is why you you go to college straight out of high school because <laughs> yeah, our twenties we can take it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't imagine now. <laughs> I can but, imagine uh, a lot, but you're going to have to imagine writing two more books because we want to see how this ends. Oh, it's going to get crazy too. When I, when I mapped it out, I, was, I I showed my editor the outlines of the next two books and she's like get on this and write this now <laughs> <laughs> excellent get used to it Bubba, because this is you know you're gonna you know write brian right right brian right <laughs> oh it's so much i wish i could just quit my day job and do this full time yeah well we and if you manage to land one of those six figure contracts or seven figure contracts maybe you can that might happen <laughs> it's a possibility That's that is the dream. Crazier stuff has happened. I, I, um, so much crap gets gets sold to the movie studios. It should be our crap. Wait, did I say yes. that right? <laughs> I concur. 
<laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of junk out there. Now, oh my god, the stuff that gets on television. People wonder why I don't watch everything on the Sci-Fi Channel and because uh. it's not good. <laughs> it it, yeah, it exactly. isn't a good Sci-Fi Channel. Anything that's good gets canceled. <laughs> yeah, what is that? All the all the good shows get get their throats cut way too soon. I'm a Firefly fan, so I'm just oh, permanently I'm still, bitter. I'm still bitter over that. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned the difficulty in converting your screenplay into a book. And um, I think I remember you saying something about having to go deeper into the characters and how much more work that was. Yeah, and it was it was a lot more work, but at the same time, a lot more fun. I, it's hard to explain. I'm working very hard and trying to figure this this thing out of getting into their heads, um, but enjoying the process. Like I'm getting to know these people on a whole new level. Like what would Jake be thinking as this is happening to him, or you know something like that, or what would Sasha? Why why is Sasha doing what she's doing to these people? I really uh, enjoyed the descriptions of her and her the mech craft that she had intentionally done to herself. Uh, oh, her little uh, self punishment. Yeah. Just the the little barbed wire decorations that pierce her cheek, and there's going to be some some heavy R-rated fan fiction about that. You just you know that, right? I'm all for it. <laughs> How do you feel about fan fiction about your own work? Have you? You know that that's the first time I've ever been asked that, and I think I would be okay with it. I think yeah. it would be okay. I, I would I would be kind of curious to see what people take and run with it oh no you mustn't do that you mustn't do that because then if you if any of it leaks into your your next work they're they'll sue you oh you know what i would never i would not want to touch or read a word of it until after my books are done and long published then i can go back in the years and say okay what did these people say back in 2000 that's safe enough if if they let you stop i mean you can push them over the over the cliff and they'll still want more you know that (laughs) True. That's 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 been fan, you know, fan reaction for over a century. Let's face it. It's true, and they did you know, it to I, Sherlock Holmes. They'll do it. To oh him. yeah, look at that. Yeah, Sherlock. Even uh, what didn't Twilight have a ton of fan fiction uh, that ended up? Be, one of them became uh, Fifty, was that, Shades, uh, 50 Shades. Yeah, there's some mess that, like that I can't. I can't believe that pile of. Bantha Poodoo yes. made it to the silver. They just they filed off the serial numbers and they sold it as a screenplay. See, and this is what I this is what I don't understand because they just told you they can't pay for that because you don't have a a, a fan following, and yet somebody bought Fifty Shades of Grey. Exactly. They must have. They must have known the story of the fan fiction part of it and how many crazy fans there were for that fan fiction. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. It makes no sense to me. You know, because the the film was rubbish. Well, for one thing, he's a guy, I, I and guess. for another thing, there's not enough sex. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> that that's that that could well be the problem. But you know, no, I don't. I don't have. Uh, I don't have sour grapes over how it played out. I'm really happy. That I ended up converting it to a novel because it's just opened up this whole new aspect to it that I really like. It's just a really, really in-depth treatment. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, so instead of one page per page of script, it's uh, could be definitely. Yeah, it's a it opens up a lot of new opportunities because now you can go back and and say, okay, uh, you said I needed a fan base. Okay, here we go. Got one. Now what? Your move exactly. And I can even say, hey, I've already got the screenplay ready to go. Yeah. Rock and roll. Pretty much. Okay, well, we will be here in another year when to talk about your next book and, and the the seven-figure uh, uh, you know screenplay deal. Is it going to take another year for you to get uh, to get the next one out? I hope not. I really hope not. I'm looking at, uh, the, over the summer, setting aside a lot of writing time. I've been devoting every night at least an hour, sometimes three hours, to marketing uh, Metcraft and just using social media and interviews like this and creating book signings and I'm just really working hard on it but I need to pull back and let that machine start kind of being on autopilot as much as I can so I can focus on the next book because I already have I already have people telling me hey when's the next one mm-hmm. get used to it <laughs> buckle up buttercup <laughs> yes for sure awesome it, well, thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of The Event Horizon. We have been speaking to Brian Fitzpatrick, first-time author. The book is called Metcraft, and it is available on Amazon.com and from Inkshares.com. That's Inkshares. Inkshares. I sort of gurgled the name. Inkshares.com. Shares of ink. And well, I really appreciate you guys having me. It's been awesome. It's been great having you with us. You have been listening to episode 198 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for June 2nd, 2018. Our guest this evening has been first-time science fiction novelist Brian Fitzpatrick, author of the new book, Metcraft, which has been getting stellar reviews on Amazon. You should go check it out. Your hosts were Krypton Radio executive producer Susan Fox and station manager Gene Turnbow. This episode will air again on June 3rd at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, tomorrow afternoon, that's Sunday, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all of the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our own website at kryptonradio.com as podcasts. Krypton Radio is listener-supported geek culture radio, and the vast majority of our funding comes from listeners just like you. If you liked this evening's program and enjoy listening to Krypton Radio, please visit patreon.com slash Radio and contribute whatever you can. We live or die on your contributions, and we appreciate your support. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by science fiction illustrator Mark Hermeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Nevin. This program is copyright 2018 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon on Krypton Radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs>